You already know that subscriptions can add predictable recurring revenue to your store. But did you know that Bold's recurring orders has added a ton of new features to make it even more profitable? Their convertible subscription feature, first, lets customers subscribe to one product and then automatically switch it to a different one the second month. So this lets you set up trial sizes, free samples, etc. And then they've also added a cancellation flow to keep people on the subscription. It's like abandoned cart recovery, but for subscriptions. So if you've ever tried to cancel your Audible account, you'll see what I mean. If you say you don't like the books, they offer you a free one. If you say it's too expensive, it automatically offers you a deal on the next month. Basically, Bold built this into the Recurring Orders app, and it stops up to 30% of customers from canceling their subscriptions. Their most recent feature is the subscription buy button. That lets you sell your subscriptions directly with just a link, so it's perfect for email, blog posts, Facebook, etc. Now, one of the things I personally love about it is that customers can now manage everything about their subscriptions by themselves. They can log in and then pause, skip, edit, update payment info, their address, swap products, add products, and more. They can just manage everything themselves. So it's a huge time savings for store owners because it means fewer customer requests. Now, if you want to add predictable recurring revenue to your business today, you could do that by going to boldcommerce.com slash subscriptions to check it out. That's boldcommerce.com slash subscriptions. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You know the benefit of SEO. The higher you rank in search engines, the more visitors your store will have. And more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do that? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines. And it's trusted by thousands of Shopify stores. It leads the market in both innovation and usability. And it's no wonder. SEO Manager adds an entire suite of tools to help attract new customers by fully optimizing your store. So here's a few of my favorites. It scans your site for SEO issues, offers keyword suggestions, adds structured data support, analyzes missing pages and redirects, and it even integrates with Kit, Shopify's personal marketing assistant. And that's not all. It does a whole bunch of more stuff. All of these things will help you to be easily found in Google and other search engines. And best of all, it's easy to get started. You can launch SEO Manager on your store in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Plus, as a special offer to our listeners, you can get SEO Manager right now for 10% off forever. Sign up at seomanager.com slash unofficial. That's seomanager.com slash unofficial. Welcome to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, and we are recording from my car, on the road, in motion, doing a whole 10 miles an hour in a parking garage. But yeah, I want to do something different, and I want to do simultaneously release this episode as both an audio episode and video on YouTube. Uh, should, you know, kind of cool, should be fun. And I got my dude here, Andy Bedell. You've heard him on the podcast before. He is one of the most brilliant Facebook marketers in existence at the moment. What are what's like the biggest budgets you've managed, Andy? Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think what it. You know, over seventy-five thousand dollars a day. Seventy-five dollars, seventy-five thousand dollars a day. I can't even conceive of budgets that crazy. It's Christmas, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm I'm thrilled to have Andy with us, uh, and he is going to talk us through internationalization. He has helped multiple stores that we have worked on together. Uh, so I'm, I'm familiar with the rabid success he's getting. 
has helped them internationalize. They were all uh, North American U.S. businesses that sold internationally in the most surprising of places and did incredibly well. And I've seen um, some other, some of our own clients go international where we just replicated the same thing they were doing in the U.S. and boom, say it worked. It will work in the U.K. and make money. And oftentimes, the return on ad spend's way better. So I'm not an expert at it though. I just know the tremendous potential. And I know for a lot of businesses, like this could be an easy growth path, especially with new tools coming from Shopify that were announced at Unite. And th there's no time like the present to explore this. Andy, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Give that hand. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Mr. Bedell. So, all right, number one, tell me why, why should we care or worry about or even think about internationalization? All right, well, I'll go back to when I first internationalized. Um, the reason really why I kind of stumbled upon this was uh, we were you know, running ads in the U.S. and having just tremendous success. You know, this is back in 2015. Uh, video views, you couldn't even run a video on website conversions yet. It was just on through video views. And, man, it was just going bonkers. Um, but, you know, eventually, just like any other campaign, uh, you start running into ad fatigue. Uh, and really, the, one of the best ways to scale is to go internationally. Now, not, not every product can go international. We'll kind of cover that later. Uh, but so what happened for us was we were just kind of running into ad fatigue and I was talking to my Facebook account manager and they're saying, well, you're only advertising in the U.S. Uh, you know, you, we have the rest of the world available. Um, so I was like kind of skeptical, but I was like, you know, I don't really, you know, I made sure that we could ship there um, and our shipping costs weren't too large because we had a kind of a small product. And so I started turning on ads in, you know, English speaking countries like the U.K., Australia, Canada, New Zealand, Ireland, and started just seeing success everywhere. Um, and then after that, I started just going down the, the list of just, you know, top GDP per capita countries and was really just, it really just allowed us to really, really get past ad fatigue so we weren't running into to bad months because the the, the the spend, the ROAS was becoming unprofitable in the U.S. Um, so we were able to basically scale all over the world, which drastically increased our revenues. And on top of that, um, it really just gave us some time to rest in the U.S., so that our ad spend was more effective several months later. Um, so, so early on, you have, we're talking about KeySmart, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And we're okay to say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So we're talking about KeySmart, fabulous product, inexpensive product, and you had managed to scale, 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 or revise, scale, revise, scale with your Facebook ads to a point that you had spent so much and narrowed down and perfected that message so well, you literally ran out of people on Facebook to sell to for the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you were just, I think everybody runs into this. It's just, you, you know, do you, they? Well, no, no. People who spend how much? Well, at the time I wasn't up to 75,000, but we were getting, you know, we were getting up to probably like four or $5,000 a day and it was, you know, months going. Um, and so, you know, we wanted to have a good return on ad spend too. At the time we were, you know, we wanted to have like a three to one return on ad spend. Um, and so we were, it just, you did, you just start to run into ad fatigue. You know, people have seen your ad. I think we've covered this before, but you know, after you see an ad, you know, when you first, you start seeing an ad, you get a lot of shares, you get a lot of likes if it's a good ad and it can go, like you can get a lot of organic reach that way. Yep. But you know, how many times are you going to share? Like, you know, if there's anybody in the crowd, just think about it. Like how many times have you shared an, uh, a post twice? You know, never. Right. right. You know what I mean? It's like, well, why does the person keep, unless you're like a scammer, <laughs> you just keep sharing your own stuff. Uh, but yeah, you would never, you know, continually share or like things. So you start losing that engagement and then Facebook actually starts, you know, charging you more because you're getting less engagement. So your CPMs go higher. Uh, and it's just a bad experience for, you know, Facebook users and everything are all around. Um, and so basically you'll start to run into ad fatigue and you'll, you'll start to get, uh, you know, horrible return on ad spend. 
But the truth is, is if you, you know, if you can live, let it rest for two or three months or, you know, for a, a unspecified time period, it usually comes back, right? So that's where international ads come into play is that, you know, you give it a little bit of a rest, but on top of that, you open up the world. And, you know, if you really, if you, if, if you look at the stats, uh, Shopify just did a whole piece on internationalization. If you look at the stats, about 13% of e-commerce is happening in the, in the United States right now. So that and means, 43 cents of every dollar in the U.S. is spent on Amazon, yep. which is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but like that number set, that figure sounds scary. We're like, man, only half is, half is going to Amazon, half's going to the rest of us. But in the rest of the world, this is not the case. Yep. And we only represent about one in ten of every dollar spent in the world on e-commerce. Yep. So there's this massive play, marketplace outside the U.S. and the majority of dollars for Facebook ads are spent in the U.S. So you have, uh, when you look at the world as this, you know, holistically, this system, you realize, oh my gosh, there's all this other uncaptured value and it's going to be easier to reach people. Yep. Yep. No, it's a hundred percent. Yeah. It's, uh, you're just basically just think about it. You're, you know, you're just leaving the majority of the world untouched. <laughs> so, you know, and there's, you know, we'll get into the intricacies, um, but Really, so I'd like to start with, you know, let's move into like, how do I know if my product is, you know, suitable for internationalization? How do I know if, so, all right, so I, I want to go international either because I've got ad fatigue or it's just an easy, it, it's a, it could be a quick, easy channel for growth given like the, a scaled um, approach, an iterative approach, but you're right. So then the next thing I need to ask myself is, am I a good fit for internationalization? yep. yep. I think that the, the, the really the biggest thing is, you know, the, the biggest barrier you're going to have is, is getting your shipping set up. So if you're like a 3PL, you need to make sure that your 3PL actually does international shipping and you should be kind of negotiating with them on those rates. So they're not giving you like, I've seen people come back and they're like $15 to go to, you know, the UK. And you're like, well, at that rate, that's kind of, that's pretty expensive. Um, so a big question. Hold up. So number one, look at my existing shipping solution and find out, can they ship internationally? Where can they ship to? And that has its own issues in that you got to deal like international shipping has its like you gotta fill out the the declaration and it's a big pain but if i like should i jump straight to i send a pallet of my stuff to a warehouse in no the UK? no no you shouldn't just because the that will separate your inventory and then you'll have you'll have a bunch of you know you need to like, like the, to start we should be on your your mvp you know your minimum viable product you know okay. and you might even be able to say like oh you need these shipping costs are expensive but you know eventually i can sh you know ship a pallet and then ship cheaper and so okay. it might even make sense to test Knowing that you might lose money on these shipping, but that you know just to, okay. to validate your to All validate right. your hypothesis that international shipping international is, is a big market before investing in setting up a three PL yeah, yeah. in and another that, country yeah and that gets difficult for tax reasons as well because then you have a you have a tax nexus and you you might, you might have to set up you you have to be accepting that you know you have to be you know that part I couldn't help you with <laughs> so you, you kind of have to contact a tax lawyer um, to help you with that but so just simply the simplest way is really to start in the U S shipping out of the U S. Um, find a 3PL who can who can ship. Most of them can ship internationally. I know, um, like Shipmonk ships internationally. They're supposed to have pretty decent rates. Um, I know for another store I work with, they use Shipmonk, and that's worked out. If you have your own warehouse, um, I recommend contacting Ascendia Mail. Um, we use them. I think they're they're part owned by the Swiss Post, um, and so they basically have really good rates internationally. Um, We've had. Um I see consistently people have, our clients have had the best experience international shipping using DHL. DHL. Just if you're like, either if you're doing your own fulfillment, you know, um, 
and there's still people picking and packing or they have their yep. own warehouse, DHL is the easy way out and for we, doing international. And we actually, I think we got cheaper, when we were smaller, I think we got cheaper negotiated rates through a company called First Mile and they used DHL. So it was basically like they were just, you know, uh, they had economies of scale, and they were able to offer us a cheaper DHL rate. Which right. is still, that's pretty much. We also use you know use UPS mail innovations for the U.S. and they just basically they give us a cheaper rate than the USPS, but um, would but they just use the USPS. They just basically just take it to the last mile. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so shipping is really the big. Make sure that you can ship. Like that's going to be your biggest problem. But you know, once you can get a shipping rate, you know, and the other thing to think about is, is your product big? We were just talking about a, a, a client that you work with together. We were somewhat together with on was uh, our client I uh, referred you to was Fuego Grills. Um, Fuego Grills, FuegoLitting.com. Yeah, yeah, and so they, they're, the iPod of grills. Yeah, yeah, they have a really nice grill. I recommend you check them out. But um, you can imagine sending a grill from the U.S. to you know the U.K. Is going to be just prohibitively expensive just because it's so right. so heavy. So just to, you know, rule of thumb to think is like, if this product is really really heavy, internationalization might not be the best fit for me. Um, you know, Ideally, under a pound, yeah, um, yeah, and smaller that gets like that will keep you in the cheapest class. Yep, yeah, yeah. Mail. Or if you're working with like if you're a t-shirt seller and you're working with like custom cat or something like that, I All think right. they have like store, you know they, you can internationalize through that. All right, so keeping you on track here, the original <laughs> question was how do I know if my product's a good fit for internationalization? So you if number you, one is can I ship the damn thing? Yeah, and that has to do a lot to do with it. It's small. Number two, number two, so just this, the size and weight, um, getting you know just negotiating it the uh, ship rate. Number two would be technological or cultural fit. So you know we talked about. Uh, I'd say two and three. Number two, two would be technological fit. Yeah. Three cultural. So number two technological fit. Uh, our friend uh, Peter Freeze from SEO Shower. He has this like snap-on thing that connects to your shower. Um, it works. It's a aromatherapy device. Yeah, he's aroma- been a past guest. Yep, had great success. Turn your shower into a spa. It's a really nice product. Unfortunately for him, when he started to try and internationalize, he realized that the the shower heads are different in Europe, and it just didn't fit. So that's just not going to work. Now you could probably test into that, just start running ads and just get a complaints, or you could, <laughs> you know, what I mean, that's that's one way. It's probably that's, it's probably cheaper, honestly, to do that than to, to fly out to Europe and test it out. That's um, true. I mean, it's like all right, worst case scenario. Sorry about that. We'll refund you. Yeah, yeah. And lesson learned. So yeah, you lesson learned. Stop the internationalization. He actually did that, and now he's re-engineered his product, and now it works uh, on you know European shower heads. Um, so if you want to buy one, go to his website. But uh, anyways, the other then the next thing would be cultural fit. So if you're a t-shirt seller um, and you have like really cultural, you know, you have like stuff that's sayings that are really popular in the U.S. but not popular elsewhere, you just might not have a good cultural fit with your with your store. Um, so, like your collection of dab cat yeah. sweatshirts, <laughs> like that that works here. Yeah. I don't know that that works. Yeah, yeah. In other parts of the world. Or like the Seinfeld analogy, where it's like you know Seinfeld was really popular in the U.S. but not as popular as some shows like The Simpsons were internationally because all of the jokes were really really contextual around like the United you know New York and you know being an American kind of so like if you wrote like you know like you know at a shirt that said yada 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 you're trying to sell it out and you know in Europe it just might not be that very effective whereas uh, married with children hugely popular in Russia and parts of Eastern Europe who would have guessed yeah. so it's like you're married with children leggings yep. may be a good seller Putin loves American uh, Putin loves married with children right <laughs> yes it's his favorite he's on a horse and he watches on his iPad or something like that <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, so that, those are the three things. It's like, can we ship it? Is it technologically, does it work? And does it culturally work? And honestly, if you can get the shipping part down, you, you could possibly also just run the ads to figure out the other two, because it might be difficult for you to really figure those things out. Uh, but those are just things to think about. Okay, so we've got, if we, we could either just go for it, or yeah. you try to figure it out. And really, I think it's just a case of common sense. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So once I decide to start selling internationally, I need the store. Next step is uh, my tools. I need the store to support it. And for the store to support it, I need their native currency. And we'll skip language for now because there's a whole slew of English-speaking countries I could sell to, including we don't think about it like as international in the U.S. But Canada, Canada. clearly, like they're English-speaking, they're culturally, the overlap is 99.9% with the U.S. Um, they have poutine yeah. <laughs> and a different currency, but it's still, it's international. And that's so, where Shopify is okay. located. <laughs> and, yes. So they, they do have e-commerce there, we know that much. Beautiful Ottawa. <laughs> it's a great city. Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so what was the question there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was rambling. Um, no, all right, next step is we need the store. We need our tools in place oh, yeah, to yeah. sell internationally. So next up is... Currency, so... The, uh, current, shop well, number one, do I keep my store? Do I have one storefront or multiple storefronts? And do I... How do I deal... What are the... The problems with currency. Uh, okay, so first off, I would just keep your own store, especially if you're not gonna if you're not gonna translate the site to start. I would just keep your own storefront, and then I would just download. So if you don't, if people land on your webpage and it's not in the right currency, the I think the the like you're gonna drastically increase your bounce rate. Uh, I can't remember what the stat is, but like seventy five percent of people want to see it in their own currency, or else they won't shop there or something like that. Don't that quote me on sense. that. Don't quote me on that. But it's if you, I, it sounds good. I'm yeah. gonna go with eighty percent. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, I could like look at my phone, but that wouldn't be the best user experience for you guys right now. Um, um, so basically, if, if it's not in currency, you're going to find that you're going to have a huge drop off. Now, we were actually running ads out of currency, like, so people would just run into the, come to the U.S., it would, it would drop it on our store, and they would just be in U.S. currency. And it was actually still decently effective, but once we switched over, really? so it was all in currency, the, the, the conversions went way up. Um, so... If you start out when just US, you're gonna basically just be leaving a lot of money on the table. It's gonna be a lot of like wasted ad spend. So I'd recommend just downloading the uh, the free uh, bold multi-currency app, and that'll just make it so that whenever somebody lands on your website, they'll be in currency. Uh, now, yep. Many Go. themes, most themes, are gonna support a currency converter out of the box. Yep. But it's it is better than nothing. But they're limited in that it's when they, someone lands on the site, it's always going to default to your native, whatever the store's native currency is. Yep. The Bolt solution or other like app or custom solutions are going to use IP geolocation so that they could figure out, oh, this person is in this country and then automatically set the correct currency. Like yep. if they have to set the currency themselves, you're still going to run into that bounce rate issue. Yep. Now that's so that's, that's the thing to look for. Well, just think if you landed on if you're in America and you landed on a page that was in like the ruble, like the Russian currency, you know, you would automatically be like, "This isn't right for me." Um, and you know, while the tr the truth is is that you know foreign shoppers are more used to running into American dollars um, than you would be in running into foreign currencies, they still have the same feeling. They want to shop in currency, and so these these plugins will convert your currency to the, so that it looks right. But then when they're going to go check out, they will you know it'll tell them there'll be a little message that says oh you're going to check out in usd but it's going to cost you this much in your own currency right. um so that's really the first step you need you, you want to have that done it can work without it but it, you know it's very simple just you know a couple clicks to download the bold multi-currency app and then everybody's and free that's yeah why they're free and it's free so you know we'll get you into their ecosystem and you start getting emails and before you know it, you'll be <laughs> so they, they could run that remarketing thing, so yeah yeah, yeah. Before you know it, you'll be in the bold ecosystem. But uh, no, that's a we, we use that. That's really that's a really nice app. Uh, we originally had Kirk custom code a solution for us where we were putting a UTM tags. It was kind of complicated, but the bold system has really uh, allowed us to uh, um, just simplify our workflow. Um, so I recommend bold. Once you have that that set up, then I recommend that you just literally just copy your ads that you have in the U.S. You know, take your best performing ad and just run it in. 
uh, run it, do it, set up a new ad set, and you can literally combine all the countries into one, so you have one big ad group, and then just do uh, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, UK, and Ireland, and that's gonna. Those are all English-speaking countries that are all relatively wealthy countries um, that are all good for e-commerce. And so once you can get that, that's really your MVP. You start seeing some success there, and now you start to think about maybe you know full-scale international, or maybe the next step in. Hold on, session. we yep. skipped a step. Yep. In my, if I'm if I'm running this on one store, I'm using a good currency converter. What happens when they hit checkout? Uh, well, Languify will will keep the currency. Oh, okay. So when they hit checkout, um, so for the currency, once they hit the checkout, it will you know pop up and tell them that, that you know that they're going to actually shop in the U.S. It, that their current it, this is the uh, currency conversion of what's going to charge them their own currency, but it's actually going to charge them in the USD instead. It did. There are new features rolling out announced at Unite. Yep. Uh, and the way it's going to work, which is super cool, is number one, native currency conversion supported by Shopify. Hooray! A long requested feature. Um, and in that, when that ha um, when people hit the checkout in the past, even if you had a currency converter, it would default to just the one, the store's native currency, so yep. probably US dollar yep, yep. in this instance. That's not going to be the case anymore. It will switch to the correct currency in Shopify, build them in their native currency so they're not getting hit with... Um, there's international, yeah, like international fees. Yeah. yeah, there's international fees, so that'll go away for customers, which is great. And it's also going to um, change the payment providers. This yep. is the craziest thing. Yep. We just assume in the U.S. Well, credit card is how you pay for stuff online. In other parts of the world, not the default at all. Nope. Like in Germany, you pay by ACH, yep. which would just be ridiculous in the U.S. <laughs> um, but in Germany, that like that's the default. You pay with ACH. This updated, as long as you're on Shopify Payments, you can do this. Um, the updated version of Shopify Payments is also going to automatically switch to the preferred default payment provider in whatever country that customer is in. And then you as the merchant to enable this, it's one check to enable it, you just turn it on, and then uh, it just you, the orders and the payouts happen just as they normally would. You don't have to think about it, worry about it, so it takes care of the problem on both ends. Um, it's, the, pretty, it's pretty awesome too. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's for, I think that's going to roll out for Shopify Plus, right? I was talking to uh, some of the Shopify Plus people this week at the. At I believe, the, yeah, it's Shop. I think it's Shopify Plus gets first crack at it. Yep, and it's going to be. And then it will be then rolled out to everyone later. Yep, and so that's going to be pretty sweet for. Uh, it's definitely going to increase conversions because I know a lot of you know we're we see lower conversion rates in other countries, and a lot of it has to do with not accepting the right payment payment provider. Um, I know that in Europe, for example, people really want to be paying with euros. Even if you, you know, even if you can drop them in and it, it, you know, you're going to have a little bit of drop off when people realize that they're going to have to pay in US dollars. So that's going to be really exciting. And also that is a really big tell to where Shopify thinks, you know, the value is of internationalization, you know, that they only, you know, have enough, you only have enough bandwidth to focus on a right. few different features. And this was a huge, this was like a huge part of their, of Unite. Um, and the biggest Shopify stores are all, you know, internationalizing, you know, like I listened to like the podcast with the pop sockets guy on and so like 35 million of those pop socket things in your phone and they were what like, the hell, what's a pop socket? You don't know what those pop, the pop socket thing on your phone where you pop it out like that? Oh, that you, and then you yeah. hold it? Yeah. They, they're huge internationally. You know what I mean? I did not realize that that was a brand name. Yeah. Pop sockets is huge. Like, like, yeah, the guy, I thought crazy. the big one was loopy cases. Not just pop sockets. The one. They sold over 35 million pop sockets. Whoa. Yeah. And they're like licensed to every, <laughs> everything. Huh. But for them, okay. I know internationalization, I was listening to their podcast, internationalization has been a huge, huge um, driver of their success. Um, so, it, you know, I'm sure Shopify can just see, oh, wow, all the biggest players are, you know, going all over the world. All right. So at this point, like, I'm sold on the idea. I've got 
I know my product, I'm either gonna gamble and see if it works or I know my product will work in a different country. I've enabled a currency converter with geolocation. Maybe I've got um, this new Shopify uh, feature rolled out so I've got the currency straight through. I'm now set to sell in English-speaking countries. So I'm gonna sell, we're gonna start with the UK because it's very like, uh, we'll do UK and Canada, why not? Um, now I need to get those people to my store. So I'm now, I'm marketing all over again. What do I do? You uh, said take your best performing ad and run it. Your best performing Facebook ad, it just, what, you just change the targeting to that country? And yeah, I would just change, I mean, so it depends on how niche your product is, but you know, I've talked to a lot of people like, uh, and I've done this before, and just switched over and done open targeting. You know, so basically duplicate my best performing ad change the ad set so it's going to the to just to those countries so australia uk new zealand ireland and canada because they're all english speaking and then honestly i've set up just open targeting before because your lookalikes aren't going to transfer over as well because you don't have any of those customers in those countries yet okay so if you don't have a customer base in that country yet you're not you don't have a big audience to make a lookalike out of you're basically making a u.s lookalike audience and then trying to convert it over to yeah it's, okay, it's, I see it's not, not going to work quite it's right. not as effective you know I mean because like people in London or people in the UK are different than people in Australia and in the US so that look like audiences aren't going to be as effective to start let's dive in you're a Facebook wizard for effective lookalike audiences and effective automatic targeting with Facebook how big does my lookalike audience need to be what does my lookalike audience data need to be and what kind of budget and conversions do I need for all of this to be effective? Oh, that's such a good question. I mean, and it I think four questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think a thousand dollars is or a thousand a thousand people is a good is a definitely a good amount of people that you can. So my lookalike audience, thousand matched emails, thousand matched, or even just a thousand converted. You maybe you match like sixty percent, so like match like six hundred or so. Okay. Um, and do I just export just my my most recent customers? You know, I think you're you're getting your best performance when you actually tr tag them through the Facebook pixel and you do purchase it. You know, so. Um, we've had debates about this, but uh, uh, I think the best way is to just use the Facebook Pixel and track purchase through that rather okay. than uploading emails. Because when you when you use the Facebook Pixel, it's it's tracking a lot of other information about these people, like yes. how long they've been on the site, like which which pages they've been to. Whereas when you upload and just the email list, um, there are some things that are getting lost in there. Although they do have the lifetime value thing now, so you can upload you know your all your emails in lifetime. But the Pixel should know that anyways. So I would recommend going with the Pixel okay. as your as your seed audience um, and. You know, so basically, so you're starting out internet. Like, what do you need um, to be successful? Uh, so I would recommend like a thousand people to get a good lookalike audience. And then for your budgets, uh, how do you like? Um, I usually like to set a budget of like I want to get to 50 conversions plus a day. It's not always possible, but you know they they Facebook says if you get 50 50 conversions per day, that's when you're going to get use their tactics the best. Like their website conversion tactics are going to work the best. You know they stretch that out to 50 50 a week just so that you know because not a lot of people can't reach 50 a day. But the more conversions, the idea basically is the more conversions you're going to get going through, the less your targeting in the in the front is going to matter, really. Um, so if that if that's kind of uh, weird to say, but so if you're getting more than 50 conversions a day, you can almost like have no targeting whatsoever, and Facebook will start to just find the people that that you know that are right. You know, you're going to have the biggest data set for Facebook to go after, and they're going to be able to find the right people without any targeting. Um, but you know that doesn't always work to start because you kind of need to nail things down. So to start, um, you know, you usually start with like interests and other things because you don't have the people to go look like off. Once you start getting enough people coming in that you can actually create an effective look like audience, I recommend you know that's like a thousand customers and you'll turn into like six hundred that you can match or so. Um, that's a good audience for look like audiences. And then to, to set your budget, I like to set my budget. I like to look at you know what is my my max cost per acquisition, and that really is a function of how much my margin is. So. Uh, basically, uh, 
you know, if you're if you sell a product that's twenty dollars and it costs you two dollars to make it, that means that your the max cost per acquisition is eighteen dollars because you're going to make eighteen dollars of profit in that. So if you spend more than eighteen dollars to acquire each customer, then you're going to be you're losing money on your first sale. So I would take your max CPA, which is just your profit margin, and times that by you know ten or fifty. And like that would be like kind of like a, a good budget to work with to kind of test things out to make. This is sure. great, man. You got answers for everything. Yeah, you know, I've, I've run through it so many times. You may have done this a few times. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but yeah, you, you want to give it enough budget so that it's so that's able to reach that that level. Now you might say, Andy, you know, I you know, I don't want to just throw that much budget away. Well, it's okay if you just want to say, you know, I just want to test the waters and put fifty bucks in. That can work too. You know, I mean, you're not you're not going to really reach your. You're not going to really reach that 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 threshold, but if you just want to test really really small, you know a lot of people recommend just having a ton of ad sets and testing really small. I would be more like once you find something that's working, like I would say let's let's combine our our ad sets into you know as big of a group as possible, and then let's try and increase our ad spends to the point where we can actually hit the 50 to 50 a day, and then we're going to start seeing. You know, I've seen that once you start to get to like two or three hundred a day, that you actually see your CPAs come down because Facebook is given just giving getting so much information. And if you have gigantic ad sets, like I've had ad sets that really just covered the whole country before, you're letting Facebook basically choose who to send to. With all you know, they, Facebook has two hundred eighty thousand uh, variables about each person or bits of information about each person, so they're going to be able Holy to run. Crap. Yeah, so they're gonna, <laughs> so you think about it, you're gonna you're if you're sitting there trying to like go in Facebook and like set up all these things. You know, they're, they have 280,000 data points about all these people, and they're going to be able to run their analysis and be able to find people that you would have never thought to target. So the, the trick is really to recognize and acknowledge Facebook for what it is. It, the lookalike tool, the ad system, is a machine learning algorithm. Yes. It's big data. It's artificial intelligence. It's all the you, buzzwords. <laughs> yeah. It's all the buzzwords. <laughs> But basically, it's a computer that's smarter than you, yeah. and you can't outperform it, so don't try. Much like when Waze tells me, you need to take this detour, yeah, yeah. every time I've ignored it, yeah, I'm I, in a traffic jam. Yeah, I do. You're not smarter than Waze, and you're I, definitely not smarter than Facebook. No, yeah, I ignore that thing all the time just out of laziness, because I'm like going on the highway, and it's like, <laughs> it's like go here, go here. I'm like, no, I'm just like sitting that. in this. <laughs> Oftentimes, listen to podcasts from you. Uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm having a good time. I'll just, I'll just chill yeah, here. Yeah, just the traffic jam is welcome. And then you're like, and they're like, no, this is really horrible. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, I can't remember where we were talking about. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, no, you're talking about Facebook. Oh yeah, yeah. Facebook targeting. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, don't don't try and beat the machine. Now, I will I will say that I have a friend that runs a, a you know a really niche T-shirt company, and he does like you know licensed T-shirts for big movies. And for him, it's like it's it is makes more sense for him to like lock down the algorithm and just go after people that like those specific movies because he's got all these different movies so if you have specific reasons for creative like you know you have different ads like an ad that's one ad that's going after Star Wars another one that's going after Star Trek you know what I mean then it can make sense to actually just you know have the one go after Star Wars fans and the other after Star Trek fans right you know rather than just letting it wide open so but for most products you'd be surprised I remember I reading a uh, like the, like who actually buys these things I remember reading a Google uh, think with Google article where they said uh, that like something like 40% of kids products are bought by kids people without kids um, and you know that could be for gift giving and other reasons or they're just weirdos right you I was know gonna what say I mean? yeah. they're creeps yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've got there's a, I've got a handful of toys in the office yeah yeah you know I've, okay. I have like a little Goku thing at my desk like from Dragon Ball Z I got and, Robocop yeah yeah Robocop I was a big Dragon Ball Z guy you know I still want to become a Super Saiyan but <laughs> <laughs> alright so I've got my like alright so that I, I want to take my uh, my best performing Facebook ad for my US audience try it in uh, say the UK my other English speaking country I need to 
ideally uh, use the Facebook pixel on conversions to build my lookalike audience. Yeah, you could start it out as just, you could literally start out as open targeting. Like just put all those ones together, all the big countries together that we mentioned, UK, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and Ireland, and just start them all in one ad set in open targeting. If that doesn't work, then start to run more stuff to try the look like audiences, maybe try some interest targeting, you know, start, start that. But I've talked to a lot of people recently, especially more recently. I've been doing open targeting for like two years um, and had really success. I've talked to a lot more people recently who've been saying, oh wow, I don't even put the targeting on and it's working really well. And I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> you're letting Facebook do all the work for you. Right. Uh, but to start, the truth is to start out, sometimes it makes sense to, to kind of lock it down a little bit and you know give it the okay. data points and then let it kind of go for it. It's like, it's like raising a kid, right? It's hard <laughs> without the data. Yeah. <laughs> You yeah, gotta teach it. You teach him, you know, and then eventually you're like, oh, you go off to college, you're, you're off in the world. <laughs> so. Okay, so I've got, uh, that part makes sense. Now let's say it's successful. From there, is step two do the same thing in other countries and keep going? Or is step two find, wait, look at my, mo my most profitable international countries and look at then moving, setting up 3PL there and just uh, reducing costs? So that these sales work better. That's I would so in my experience, just keeping all your inventory in one spot is so much cheaper, just because you don't have to make all these predictions about where where we're going to sell what, and you know, especially with new products and stuff coming out. Okay. Just having it in one inventory spot is just logistically much much easier to do. Especially with multiple products. Yes, yes, with multiple products. Now, I'd say that that switch shipping out to the. I'd say the next step is really once now we've had our English speaking countries work well, which is a really good sign. Our international English speaking countries work well. That's a really good sign. Now it's like now let's internationalize your site. You're right. Your, your site and let's get uh, different languages on there uh, because all throughout Europe they speak you know tons of different languages. Basically, even the the, the common language in Europe is not English. Um, you don't say. <laughs> so so you know you're gonna want to use you're gonna want to get into German, French, Italian, Spanish. Those are gonna be your you know those are gonna be really really effective languages for you to go throughout throughout uh, the European Union. And then into South America is also really good. Asia's Asia's a really good spot too. But like uh, you know China, I don't really know anybody that's selling American goods into China. And that's a you know that's more of like an Alibaba kind of China to China thing. Japan okay. can be decent, but Japan is also a little bit difficult with duties and just any. So when we get into talking about translations, languages that go right to left are more difficult to to to, to like translate and get going than languages that go left to right. Uh, so like Arabic goes like right to left. Uh, so it can make the, some of the translations and the whole layout of your site has to change, kind of, uh, okay. if that makes sense. So yeah. really, I think after you get the English-speaking you know, MVP to work, your next step is let's internationalize the site into French, Spanish, German, and Italian. And possibly you might want to do two Spanishes, one for Spanish Latin America, like Spanish Mexico, and one for Spanish Spain. Um, and once you can get those, and you also want to translate your Facebook ads, as well as your, you know, Clavio abandoned cart emails and your welcome emails as well, because you want to, you know, get your lifetime value up. Uh, but that, you, once we start, once we started doing that, man, our sales went really high. <laughs> so it's, it was just, it just opened up the whole world to us. Um, and I started going down, you know, the list of top GDP per capita countries, and just literally hit was hitting. You know, I was go all the way down to like Indonesia and Malaysia. Um, it was still getting successes there. I mean the. The, if you always see this little kind of like if you were to draw it on a graph, you see like this bump, and some of the as you got further and further down the countries, the bump would last less and less time. Um, but you know, I I had our I, you know I was translating up into you know all the way throughout you know the Nordic countries. So we had our you know we were Finnish and all these other <laughs> and all these oh, other geez. things. Yeah, but the just getting your site translated to to start and you know I recommend using downloading an app called Languify. There's, so there's two, we can talk about, there's two different solutions. L-A-N-G-I-F-Y. Yeah, and there's two. All right, well, so hold up. Yep. We got a, 
So the next, what, what are the, give me your top three countries. If I'm going to do this and I just want Andy's top three <clears throat> countries to test. Um, so, so if you do German, you, Germany is awesome. You know, it also somewhat depends on the product. You know, right. I mean, if you're fashion versus tech versus other things, but Germany is awesome. They have a lot of money in Germany. And if you switch to, if you translate in German, it's not just Germany that you can go after. It's Germany, Germany, Austria, Luxembourg. Um, what's the other one? There's uh, like maybe two. There's like one more. I want to say one or two more. Oh, Switzerland. 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 I was like, gonna suggest it, but I didn't want to be wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, Switzerland. Switzerland. So like Germany. If you if you translate to German, those, those four countries. But like if you think about it, Luxembourg is like this really tiny little country that probably nobody really has ever heard of here. But it's really rich. Like the average per, like per capita uh, income is like a hundred thousand, and they speak German and French. Um, and if you think Switzerland, they speak German, Italian, and French. So if you translate into uh, you know German, Italian, French, and Spanish, you're really knocking out the, all of Europe. And you'll have some countries where they speak both languages. So like for example, for like Switzerland, Switzerland is in like three of my ad sets. It's in my Italian ad set, it's in my German ad set, and it's in my French ad set. And what I do is I make sure in the ad set targeting that I target, make sure I set it up so it's targeting just people who speak German for the German one, and just people who speak French for the French one. Um, so. Yeah, so Germany, like, so I'd say Germany is awesome. France is awesome. It's France is huge. I think France is actually bigger than I think France is like the most populous country yeah. in in um, in okay. Europe. I think. So there's no end to the opportunity. Here. Germany and then Italy is also huge too. So okay, yeah, you know. And the hard part then, the hard the if you ask me, what scares me about internationalization? Uh, shipping a little bit and you know losing stuff to shipping, <laughs> but. Most of all is, is translation. That's going to be the insane hard job to be done. It just yeah. It's just so I can just say it's it's just a lot of just juggling things, right? So when I first got when we first started translating, we saw such crazy success that it was it was awesome and you know it was so exciting actually. Uh, but you know it started to become like oh shoot every time I change an ad now I'm having to you know I used to kind of just write copy on the go and like test and test and yeah. like oh this is working. Now you're looking at oh wait. I actually can't change copy on the go because this is all internationalized and I can't, I don't know French, I don't know Spanish, I don't know Italian. So then it's like, oh, I have to add another person into this and, and we have to get all these, you know, translators. It basically made it so instead of thinking about how to be innovative in English and, you know, working in like the language that I know, I was really more just kind of like figuring out how do we coordinate all of this stuff. And it really did, like while we were, you know, seeing really great numbers internationally, it really did start to take an effect on our creativeness in the U.S. Um, so it became a chore. It became a chore. Yes, it just became like you know, it was like the, you know, like the prison that you inherited. <laughs> you know, it's like no, 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 I'm doing so well, but now I have to do all of these other things. Um, and so that was really, you know, that was really what kept me up at night. You know, um, so is dealing with the translations. Dealing okay. with the translations. Yeah, make sure that everything was up to date, and then also just like then once everything was up to date, then like you know maybe like website changes and adding things and making sure that. That you know that you were coordinating all of that, you know, and I just kept thinking, like, I wish we had a service that could you know take care of all this. I contacted basically every service, uh, you know. I remember I, the the one that was like the gold plated one. I remember it's called TransPerfect, and I had a call with them, and it was a great solution. And they basically have, you know, they basically can uh, they have a system where they read everything on your site and they know when there's changes and they they send it out to their translators. The problem was that their translators to translate our site, they think they were going to charge us for per language was like sixty five hundred dollars. Um, that with, doesn't seem unreasonable. It's not too crazy, but it's like three times more expensive than I was than I was able to you know to get um, for the budget. Yeah, okay. so like I was able to get it down much much lower. And once you once you uh, like sixty five hundred, once you do it for 
for five or six. We were doing eight languages, I want to say. It was going to cost about $50,000, you know, Whoa. Just, just to translate. Okay. Yeah. So we do need, because we need multiple languages. Yes. And it's an ongoing thing. Every yeah. time, new product, new page, new ad. Yep. I got to go back to them. Yes, yes. So it was, yeah. So it didn't seem like too crazy in, in the, I, you know, I, you know, interviewed basically, I had like a ton of these calls and they seem like a great solution. Uh, but yeah, just the cost was like, man, this is going to be so expensive and an ongoing rate. It's going to be so expensive. So what, what I did was I built out a team of international translators, um, you know, from around, you know, for each country that I wanted to work with. Um, so this way you get native, uh, like very native localized. It's not just translation, it's localization, e-commerce copywriting. Um, the, the, the example I always give is, you know, uh, I live in Chicago and I grew up calling a Coca-Cola a pop. Right. And so I always say, can I get a pop? And when I go out to LA and I say, can I get a pop? People kind of look at me and laugh like, oh, you Midwesterner, uh, you know, you, you actually say pop. Now imagine if you wrote that into your copy, right? Like maybe your soda stream or something like that. Imagine you wrote that into your copy and you know, now you hand it off to a German translator and they're not familiar with your dialect and you're like, they're like pop, you know what I mean? And they, you know, they give a more literal translation. You'll see that like where they're just like off the wall, bizarre <laughs> translations. And you also see that if you just use Google Translate. I was going to say, this sounds like it, Google Translate. Yeah, yeah. It's so, very literal. Yeah. So you'll see these kind of, and then you'll start running ads and it won't perform well. And all of a sudden you'll start getting all these comments like, you know, laughing, you know, like, you know, like the. They know, they know right away. Yeah. Happens. Well, it's amazing. Like when you, when you read copy, it has to be written like somebody, your, like your friend, like Kurt was talking to me, right? Not some foreign robot, right? You know what I mean? Like, you know, once you start reading and it's like broken English and stuff like that, you're like, who is this person? You know what okay, I mean? So I've got, well, for translation, I've got, I have two, two options that don't suck. Number one, if I'm going to only run one store, maintain a single store, I use an app like Langify. Yep. And the danger with Langify is it goes through and adds classes to every single element on your page. If you're not a theme developer and you don't know what that means, uh, Langify can easily break stuff, yes. but it's also easily fixed. Yeah. So you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, but it lets you. It it is probably the best technical solution to adding the translations. Yeah. It's not doing the translations itself though. No. You got to tell it what each element is. Yeah. Right? So okay. well. So basically, once you get Langify installed. You can download a PO, what's called a .PO file from there. And it's Sexy name. Yeah, it's, I like it. It's uh, I never heard of it before. I had to like download some special things to even be able to open it. Uh, but basically, once you get it open, it's just basically a two-sided, a two-column Excel sheet. The left column is English, and it just pulls the strings. It pulls like strings from your whole website, and the right column is the translated language. Okay. And so you basically you download that, the English version, and you send it out to natural language translators, and they will do all the you know all the translations for you. You know, a good translator will take a week or two uh, to, to get it all done for you. Then you get the PO file back up. You you know you have to connect to, you have to connect to your you know you create a subdomain for your DNS so you go like you know if your site is you know www.site.com. Oh, so this is not uh, like a language switcher. Like, and there is uh, a language switcher, but it just switches. It, it, it's all hosted on a, a subdomain. Each each different language is on a subdomain. Okay, so I've got you know getkeysmart.com is my standard site. Yeah, de.getkeysmart.com would be your Germans, right? You know, okay, Deutsch, gotcha. Deutschmark. You know. So, um, yeah, so and you can choose the subdomains, but yeah, it's like so you just create a subdomain for each language you want. You want okay. done. And then once I've got that, then I using the spreadsheet, I got to put in my translations, and that's where I have I need to hire the translator. Yeah, and it, honestly, Langify is not that easy to work with either. <laughs> um, like it's you know you there's just, just have to, so many moving pieces. There's yeah. no way to do this in an elegant manner. Yeah, yeah. So it's but, all right. So but the other solution, if you don't want to use Langify, 
is you clone your stores. Yes. And if you've got multiple languages, this is where Shopify Plus starts to make a lot of sense. Yes, yes. Because you get your core store plus nine clone stores. Mm -hmm. So for, like, yeah, Shopify Plus costs more, but you're adding, like, in addition to all the other features, yep. you got ten stores right there. Yep, yep. And if all ten are the advanced plan, okay, now Shopify Plus is cheaper. Yes. Um, so it makes total, totally makes sense there. Um, but now i got to maintain multiple stores. Yep. So those are... And instead of Languify, I'm just manually updating all of the languages on each store. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Languify and one store, I got a spreadsheet, so I guess in theory it's easier. It's there. I mean, they're comparable. Honestly, it's, it's probably just a choice of if you have a good, you know, if, if you have a developer that is, you know, it's, if you have somebody that's going to run them both, like you know, if you dedicate somebody that's going to run all your sites, that can be just as easy, I guess. Uh, we're, we're doing Languify at the time. Shopify Plus didn't offer uh, all these clone stores, so I, I think I got two clone stores, and it was going to be like 200 bucks extra a month or something like that uh, when I first started doing this. So I'm not going to say that Languify is better than the Shopify the Shopify clone stores. It, yeah, it's going to depend on your situation. Yeah, it just yeah, it really depends on your but situation. Those are going to be your two best options. Yeah, but regardless, Single store with Languify yeah. and Bolts, geolocating currency converter, yep. or um, geolocalized individual clone stores. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. But regardless, the even getting past the technology point, the you know, which is somewhat of a pain, the, the hardest part is just going to get you know getting good translations, and that's so that's why I wanted to, to say that uh, I've created a service called uh, TranslateMyStore.com. What? <laughs> You're plugging something on my show? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come to my birthday party. No. Uh, <laughs> no. So I I created TranslateMyStore.com to help alleviate uh, just the problems that I talked to so many people and they were all interested in. So many people who had larger stores who were interested in internationalization, um, and they were all having problems finding the right, you know, right translator. They didn't know how to proof the work, and they, you know, like it just there were just problems. So I created this store, I created this translation service, really to help with some of the clients that I was working with, so I could scale their ads. And then I realized, oh, this is actually a service in itself because so many people need this, and I can actually provide it for cheaper than basically anybody else can, just because I, because I've worked, I have, I don't have the overhead a lot of these big companies have, as well as I've just kind of built this system uh, of international translators. Um, so yeah, if, you, if you're interested in translations, uh, you're, if you're interested in internationalizing your, internationalizing your store, you're gonna no doubt need to have translations in. So you should sign up for, uh, you know, just sign up for our, our beta program at translatemystore.com and we'll help. What does your ideal client look like? Um, somebody who does, not a cataloger really. We could do a cataloger, but to start, we're just accepting uh, just a couple stores because uh, we don't want to get overrun um, at the at the start. We have a couple stores already that we're working with, but we're going to accept a couple more stores so you can apply now. Um, but our ideal store is probably going to be somebody who has like 50, 75 SKUs or less, I would, less, I would say. Okay. The, you know, if you have, and you also, you know, if you have thousands of SKUs, uh, we could do it. It's just, you're not going to get as big of a bang of buck as somebody who's only doing a couple, you know, somebody who has some major SKUs and is sending the majority of the traffic there. Right. Because you're going to, it's going to cost you to translate each product. And if it's a product that you never sell, then you're just going to be translating it. You know, let's say if you sell two of them a month or two, you know, you're probably not going to get your return on it, your return on investment. Okay. So if I want, so you, is this a one and done solution? Like you will tackle yeah, everything for me. So it is a one and done solution that we will that we will actually go in and do the translations. We will work with Languify, so you don't even have to, and we will set up your DNS. So you don't really have to. You just have to kind of give us logins, um, and then we'll also translate all your Facebook video ads. So I have a video editor. I can go in and, and basically take your yeah. captions and basically you don't even have to do anything. We'll take your captions. We'll write them down in an Excel spreadsheet. 
or PO file. Actually, it won't be a PO file, but we'll write them down. We'll send them over to our, we'll send them to our translators. They'll translate those, and then we can actually edit your video. So you have a live video. We can edit your copy on your Facebook ad, so so you don't really have to do anything. And we can even upload it to Facebook, so you can just kind of just copy that ad set or copy that ad. The so other, you'll implement my tools. Imp, yep. Implement. You'll do the translation and translate Clavio. my Facebook ads and, and Clavio. And you'll do Clavio. Clavio. So that's the one and done kind of system. Now you're going to have changes to your because you really want to have your the ads going in in the right language, the retarget, retargeting ads going in the right language. You want your website to be in the right language, and then you want your abandoned cart and you want your your welcome series as well as any broadcast that you're really going to do to be into in the right language. So, but then after that, you're like, well, if I make changes to my store, if I this or that, you're going to need some ongoing service. You don't need to go ongoing service for us. You can kind of just leave it. You know, your main page is translated, but you're probably going to want to. Um, so we will also provide kind of an ongoing service for people. You know, you could set it up so that you could just email us and be like, oh, you know, go in because the Languify will know what, what parts of the site need to be retranslated. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So it won't be like a full retranslation, like because a lot of the basically it has this. Like I said, it's got strings, so it's got the English string and it's got the, the translated string. And when we download it, the ones that don't already have a translated string are the ones that we need to translate, right? So if you if parts of the website that you don't change. Those will just be still to just stay, and it'll just it'll just put all the new strings that we need to, to translate in. Um, and so, or if you have to do more Facebook ads or whatever, you're, it's going to be an ongoing thing. But just to start is really you know once you start, you'll get a really good idea. And you might like if you email the uh, if you apply, it's not just not just like the translation port will also kind of consult you on like which languages to try first and kind of work with you in your budget because you might want to you know you might want to say well let's just do Germany, let's just do German, or let's just do Italian, or let's just do French. And do like kind of an MVP translation model, and that that's great too, right? We could just do German, and that'll unlock like four or five countries within Europe. Test that out; that works I out. I like that phrase, unlock. Yeah, it really, it's it's true. It's like these are these are markets that could you could conceivably do well in. Yep. It's low risk if your product already sells well in one country. Yep. Well, arguably, if you could get it translated, that's a good cultural technological fit. That's double your success, man. Yep. Um, and by we going even, international. And we didn't even talk about the fact that. There's also like the kind of nefarious thing where it's like if you're not there and somebody's watching your success in the U.S., they could easily oh. just recreate your what you're doing in Europe, and then by the time you get there, it's going to be too late, and you're they're already going to have the market. They'll right? have first mover advantage yeah. of your product. So yeah, do you want to be like late and not there? I mean, if you have if your U.S. store is running really well, you need to be going international as long as you can ship it. You need to be doing it, and you should be doing it like sooner rather than later because hmm. you'll be surprised at. How, I, I, whenever I've done this, it's changed the mix from like 100% US to like the US is like 40%, right? So you could possibly have like, you know, I won't, there's never been a time where the US wasn't still the best country. <laughs> Go USA! Uh, no. But it, it always becomes that like the combination of all the other countries, the sales, end up beating the US. So you'd be surprised, like cool. Me Mexico is a great country to, to ship. You know, like Latin America can, Mexico's the best in my opinion, but Mex Brazil is gigantic. I was just in Brazil. And uh, um, you'll be surprised, you'll get, you'll see, see you'll see your uh, your cost per clicks in Brazil come down to like five cents. You know, it's yeah. insane. You know, Keysmart was, Keysmart in, in 2016, Keysmart was, you know, that somebody did like this thing where they show the top Shopify stores by, uh, by web traffic and we were number 53 at the end of the year and that was because of internationalization because wow. we were getting so much traffic top 100 Shopify store yeah yeah, yeah. it's crazy I had no idea we were you know, I, I still go by that <laughs> even though I don't think we are anymore uh, or at least I know we're not anymore uh, we're still doing well but you know I think there's there's been some really big players that have come into Shopify since then um, so 
you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, so if you're not internationalizing, you're leaving so much on the table. You're also leaving a threat of a possible, you know, somebody else just coming over and taking over your business in another place. So it's not there when you want it. Uh, and doing, I mean, it's entirely legal for them to do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you yeah, cause you don't have, you know, yeah, it is entirely, if you don't have international patents and stuff like that too, you know, that's whole not, the whole legal side. I'm not a lawyer. So, um, you know, if, if you really want to go international, you might want to think about getting international patents. If you have some kind of technology product, you probably already do. Um, and designs, you know, you, you just get, you know, international copyrights or trademarks. I don't really know anything about that, but, um, you know, it's definitely something to think about. So yeah, it's definitely legal for them to just kind of take your existing business model. But again, you know, think, probably think about the tax and the legal stuff, you know, after, <laughs> after, you, you know, it's working. Uh, cause there's no reason to spend a bunch of money to get patents in a country that ends up not working out for you. All right. We're back at beautiful old orchard mall in Skokie, Illinois home of unofficial Shopify podcast recording HQ. So we're going to go, we should get, we should get some Nando's for lunch. Yeah, I'm done. We got time before this dude's going to leave, go record another e-commerce marketing podcast yep. with someone else. Yep. Um, I'm cheating on you. You're yeah. che cheating on me. <laughs> it's not fair, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. So the takeaway is, man, if you are already successful in the U S internationalization without translation is really is, is a pretty easy proposition yes, to yes. grow your business. Yes. Like there's really not a lot of reasons not to do yes, it. Yes. Um, and to at least try it. And then when you see success there, just roll that cash into uh, spending the money on translation. And this is like straight up, this is e-commerce empire building. Yep. Yep. I, the one thing I didn't say was that uh, I should talk about with the uh, with cool thing that I should talk about is that when we when we translate all our stores, things were went bonkers. And then that Christmas, Facebook reached out to us and they said that they were looking at the list of top international advertisers. And Keysmart was on the list, um, where it's you know it's like Estee Lauder and like you know these gigantic international companies. And it's <laughs> and like Keysmart, yeah. Keysmart. So they contacted me. Purveyors of fine keychains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they contacted me and they uh, they gave us they wanted to run a test of single lookalike audiences in different countries versus multi-country lookalike audiences. And they gave us $30,000 or they spent $30,000 in ad spend to run a test on our campaign, um, which is really cool. So, you know, Facebook knows it's a huge, huge, huge thing. Shopify knows it's a huge thing. You know, if you, sh if you can do it, just get on <laughs> and feel free to, to sign up for uh, translatemystore.com uh, for free consultation uh, of like, you know, how to start. And uh, yeah, just, I'd just be happy to talk with you, even if you don't end up using the translation services. Um, I think it, you know, can just... It, you got to be doing it. So I just recommend it but so much, honestly. And let me find, let me grab my parking spot <laughs> and we are good to go. All right, Andy, thank you. Thank you. Let's go eat. Let's do it. Before we go, I wanted to tell you about the one Shopify theme I've used more than any other. It's called Turbo by Out of the Sandbox. And as its name implies, it's built for speed. But that's not why I love it. I love it because it's the most configurable feature pack theme for Shopify today. Features like predictive search, easy mega menus, infinite scrolling collections, and a ton of page templates for all of your content. And I've got a special offer for you. You can get it today at a 20% discount when you use the code podcast20. You can even try it for up to two weeks. And if you don't love it, out of the sandbox, we'll refund it for you. So to check it out now, go to ethercycle.com turbo and use code PODCAST20 at checkout. It's ethercycle.com slash turbo. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. 
If you're looking for more high-quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.